This is three people on a couch with me, your host, Amanda, Steve, and Brian. And today's guest is Jane Derryberry, which is, you have done so much. It's insane. It's insane. So Jane, you're originally from Nashville, Tennessee, and you studied interior design and film. And then you moved to LA and became a set director and worked within events and animation as an animation producer. And you also launched your own sustainable clothing company. That's correct. And, <laughs> and you have your own production company, Legendary Productions. And now you're in the start for your new brand um, in interior design. Welcome to the podcast. We're Welcome. so happy to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> Thank this you is guys. just going to be a vine. We did hit the seven <laughs> seconds. Thank you. Thank um, I want to get that. That's quite the resume, but I want to get into something I was reading about you. Um, it's you're much, you're a traveler. You love traveling for what I gathered. I'm I, also a traveler. Um, I spent five years in Asia. Um, you did a motorbike trip. Is that correct? That is correct. Can we, can we jump into that? I'm very curious how did you do that solo? Did you do it with friends? How did that? And how did you get into it? Yeah, have you always rode bikes? Like what? Um, well, actually, growing up, I always had like a moped, like as a child, and um, so I've always loved uh, motorcycles. I've lo I love cycling too, bicycles. Yeah. Anything with two wheels gives me a ton of freedom. I can go, I can explore, which are is like my favorite thing to do mm -hmm. ever. Of course, I'm nomadic. I love traveling and yeah, uh, so bicycles, it started with a bicycle and then a moped and then later in life, I really got into motorcycling. Like I had to buy a motorcycle and I was really into vintage motorcycles. So I was, I had lived in LA for a while and then I was visiting Nashville and I was actually doing a photo shoot in Nashville, my mm -hmm. hometown, with a photographer who was a motorcyclist. And she's like, hey, my friend's selling this vintage BMW. You have to buy it. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll what do year? it. Do you know what year it was? It was 1976. Oh, okay. So it's like... A very cool German-made bike. With Wait, I'll put the bike. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, the I went and looked at it after our photo shoot, and I bought it on the spot. Not only did I buy it that day in Nashville, I also took off on a cross-country trip. Whoa. That day? That. That's insane. Wait, wait, wait. Were you planning on doing that? Like, were you planning? Like, or is it sort of a spur of the moment? Like, You're just I'm like, I'm, and I'm, I'm out. It was totally unplanned. It was, I was just like, fell in love with it. I felt the need to just like, get it to California. And I didn't have a return to LA, like a flight to LA. So it was like, I went to... I bought the bike, I gave the guy cash, and I literally had no like motorcycle gear at all. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, I had to go to buy a pair of like black denim. I went to the army surplus store and pieced together like some crappy moto gear. I had no, <laughs> no actual 
real gear on. And um, yeah, I just said, I set, I set out at sunset with my piece together. At sunset? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Going, I went up to Kentucky that day, and then I think I made it, I don't know, probably 100-plus miles first day. That's really good. Yeah, but I did insane. do the cross-country trip in, like, seven or eight days. It that's was ridiculous. I so wish you're doing, what, like 10, 10 to 15 hours a day on it? At some days, I was... I. I think my longest day was like 14 hours. Wow. Mm -hmm. And you don't get s sore sitting on that? Actually, the first day I got, um, because I had a pair of uh, leather gloves and they were like brand new leather gloves, I had this horrible uh, like blister like on the palm of my hand. And so that kind of destroyed the rest of the ride. Um, it was very intense. So it was it was a rough ride for sure. But the joke was that everybody I was meeting and passing through and getting to know, they're like, tell us more about your adventure. Tell us what your plan is. And I was like, I've got to get to L.A. I've got to get to L.A. for a dentist appointment. <laughs> <laughs> Dentists are important. <laughs> Dental coverage is cheaper. I have the California plan. So wow. um, actually, I had to delay that dentist appointment because of... Damn it. <laughs> uh, only because of uh, breaking down so frequently. Vintage mm -hmm. vehicles. And let me tell you something. I love the vintage cars. I had two 80Zs, a Datsuns. Uh, I had four of them when I first moved to LA. That's Like insane. I had a series of them. And I would break down on the 405 freeway like... Five o'clock traffic, have to be towed. It's like the worst thing, but I don't know. I'm just a sucker for it. I just love so it. when you're you're in these cars, you feel the most alive. And it just vintage cars, or you just love driving in general. You love the acceleration, the experience of just like f flying through space. Like if you're in anyone's car, even like their passenger seat, are you just loving it? <laughs> you know, you know what I, you know what I mean? Because if I did a cross. Yay! Like even 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 yeah. even driving a car. If I did it cross country, I know I would just be getting like so tired and sore. And I had a motorcycle. I had assless chaps, and my butt was getting just such a rash. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but I'm just wondering: Do you feel like your energy? Uh, it's almost amplified the more you are riding, or is it kind of like goes in and out and wanes? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the whole point of. I love sports cars and motorcycles are fast and I love my hair blowing in the wind, <laughs> so to speak. Um, yeah. I mean, it is a real rush. It's absolutely. Such, yeah. it's it, such, absolutely. It's such a rush being on a, a motorbike. I did, um, I did Vietnam on motorbike from Saigon to Hanoi and I always leave this part out. So I tried a Honda win, which is a, the bike they used to use in like, the 60s and 70s, which are all over. You can buy them for like 300 bucks. They didn't really fit on it. And what I did fit really well on was a moped. And so I drove a moped for a month across <laughs> Vietnam with my three other friends who had motorcycles. And it was a fast moped. Don't get me wrong. It went, it went fast. We went like 90 kilometers at some points, like just gunning it down there. But you do these days where you're driving 14 hours and 
your mind just sort of goes somewhere else. Like you, it hurts, but you forget it hurts after a few hours and you're just on the road and you're just going. I luckily didn't have any uh, crashes at all. Did you crash at all or? <laughs> Did you crash? <laughs> no, it's I. It's a real egg. I, <laughs> 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 um, all my limbs are intact. Thank yeah, Congratulations. thankfully. Uh, yeah. yeah, thank you guys. <laughs> That's great. Uh, <laughs> um, no crashes, but uh, I almost crashed. I almost slid out, and it was a really bad move. I was uh, in Utah somewhere. It was so hot. It was like 115 degrees because it was summer when I was traveling. Mm. And being oh, wow. under a helmet, I mean, I think Vietnam is pretty warm, too. Yeah. And just You don't have to wear a helmet in Vietnam. You don't have to, but you do want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want Absolutely. to. So did, you did. Oh, you yeah. Were, yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Constant. One of the guys you're with crashed into a mountain. And what? Yeah. He had to get airlifted back to England, basically. It's, it's a whole story, but he was gunning it. And thank God he had his helmet on because he went over, his bike skidded down, and he went right into the mountain. This yeah. was north of uh, Hanor- uh, Hoi An. It was, it was, we were all like scarred from that. I didn't drive very fast after that. <laughs> yeah. You know, we learned our lesson. Um, have you you also went to South America, right? Yeah, I just kind of took off when I was in my early twenties to South America. I, you know, growing up in Tennessee, it's like a yeah, how was lack that? Of culture, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in my opinion, very diverse in Tennessee, yeah, right? Very so, diverse. Yeah. <laughs> so I just took off on a trip to Costa Rica. Actually, it was meant to be a two-week vacation, um, and then you just stayed. And then I met a girl at the volcano, you know, Arenal, and I don't know if you know Costa Rica, but there's a volcano there. And I, a German girl, I met her at the top of the volcano, and she was brilliant, and she was just telling me about all of her travels throughout Central and South America. And I just did not even register, like, what you can backpack and see the world and I just knew nothing of, of the sort really uh so I uh, yeah oh. so she completely inspired me and I was like uh ditched everything got a backpack and just ended up going all throughout how long were you there for I was there for almost a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you teach to like fund the travel no, at all? No. Fortunately, I was alone. I did it all alone. I had some finances to just go and be able to travel on a shoestring, of course. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I just went for it. I took the opportunity and I did not teach. I just went and explored and saw and came and Any ayahuasca there. trips? No, but I had San Pedro. Oh, yeah. how was that? Wait, wait, what's that? It's a cactus, right? It's a cactus. I mescaline, was, right? Yeah, it's mescaline. Yeah. So basically, it was Halloween night. I was hiked um, Machu Picchu wow. that day, all day. Well, I had been on the trip for like three days because it's um, uh, the Inca Trail. Of the Inca Trail. Did you take the stairs at Machu Picchu? I or did the, all the, the stairs. It's basically three days of hiking to Machu Picchu. Wow. Yeah. Did you sleep on? They have a hotel like on the Machu Picchu? Uh, not at Machu Picchu, but like we had, uh, I was on like a three day hiking mm-hmm. and backpacking trip where you like pitch tents and you got to, uh, I think it was from Cusco to Machu Picchu basically. 
And yeah, it was a three night trip. And uh, you finally arrive. I arrived Halloween. It was like a full moon. It was so beautiful. And then down after you spend all your day and all the day in Machu Picchu, I went down to the town. I think it's called Banos. Um, or uh, actually, correction, Aguas Calientes. Mm hot waters um so there's like hot springs and then I just saw a sign I was walking in the town and I noticed a sign in the window of a little small shop and it said San Pedro and it was literally written on a cardboard box <laughs> like a little like sign this seems legit <laughs> yeah, yeah like, I was this like is good <laughs> I looked I like did a double take and I looked and I was like oh I entered the shop and I asked the guy about experiencing San Pedro and he's like yeah, we need, if you're going to do it, we need a group of people. And I just so happened to have met a bunch of people on the trip. And <laughs> I, and they're like, we need four hours to cook it down. And uh, you'll go out with a shaman. And he explained and gave me a price point. And I was like, okay. So he goes, basically, you have four hours to come up with all the people. I'm going to start. I put like a deposit down. He started cooking the San Pedro because it takes, an, it's a process. And I went and begged my friends, please do this experience <laughs> with me. And uh, I'm, so I gathered a couple people to join me, and we went out with, it was such an epic experience. I cannot explain all of it. I mean, we were, we met at this little shop, and we had a full Incan band, <laughs> like pan pipes and drums and guitars and and this shaman who I met like on the spot and they took us on this wild journey we took the railroad tracks down like a mile or two and then passed through these beautiful hydrangea fields and banana fields and by a waterfall and that's where we set altar and we gifted the altar and did this you know the smoking of the ceremony yeah. and then you take uh, the shaman was leading this whole process and it was super beautiful. It was nuts. It was like a dream. How and long does it last? And do you get high? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> no, You're so innocent. <laughs> I know. Do you get high? She's like, it's kind of like an Advil. A bit <laughs> no. of a headache. You get no. very high. So yeah, all these it's have, a so, hallucinogen. So yeah, so like ayahuasca, uh, mescaline, all of these have been used by indigenous cultures for literally thousands of years. Um, as medicines to heal certain ailments. But why do you get high in that sense? You get high to sort of enter a different domain of consciousness. Yeah, so getting, I think when you think of getting high and you think of just like smoking weed, getting that high feeling, I think all of these hallucinogens to get to these higher levels of consciousness, the side effect is your body does get high, but then the plant also opens up neural pathways into other dimensions and expands your mind in certain ways. And there's always like a body high that comes with it, but and it's just it's fun too. It's also but fun. I mean yes, but it, you know I'm a little bit afraid. Sure, for those things, yeah. even though it's like natural and stuff. But like ayahuasca, you have to like puke before. You do and like poop. a lot. It's a, a lot. It's, you're um, you puking in a group. Yes, and it's bonding. It's I'm not talking about your, from your own experiences. You want coffee with me once? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you look adorable. <laughs> That's so horrible. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's other drugs that don't do that. Um, 
But like I I did my first mushroom experience. I won't go into detail. You can puke I've from that too, though. Can you? Definitely. Yes, you could. Oh yeah, dude, Definitely. I can puke yeah? from anything. Definitely. I, did, I didn't. I did four grams uh, with a guide, and uh, we did it with a tea, and I was blindfolded. Um, so we, yeah. <laughs> wow. He honestly went to. I flew to a place. Yeah, to a different state to, to, to do, do this with what this state? guide. I'm not gonna say. <laughs> It's a state. Texas. Why won't you? Why I don't don't you? <laughs> it's like you're divulging the drug <laughs> experience. You're like I'm not gonna tell yeah, the I state gotta, though. I, 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 mean, like, I want to say <laughs> Oregon because it's it's legal there, but it's not legal and. But then, but <laughs> I basically flew there to meet this guy. Basically, that's where he lives, um, and do it. I did it with him, and we mimicked the John Hopkins sort of clinical trials. So you're blindfolded, your music going, and it was beautiful. It was bliss for four hours. It was, was your, did you have a, uh, I mean, you don't say bad experiences, but did you have a not as desired experience or was it all pretty much? I mean, positive? it sounded like a beautiful ceremony, but like, I don't know the feeling you get inside because I don't like to be high. Well, it's visually stunning. It's was very inspiring because, uh, and I had the best experience. I mean, mm. I was in Machu Picchu, I mean, under a full moon on Halloween night uh, with a you don't even Incan band. Drugs. It's like <laughs> a shaman. So, yeah, visually it was so cool. It was one of my most memorable um, experiences in life. I love it. I'm, Is there any sort of come down on it at all or it sort of just slowly tapers off? It slowly tapered off. You definitely want to, like, nourish after, have something really delicious after you you know, come down and basically I had to get on a train at 7 a.m. <laughs> so we left at midnight and th returned at 6.30. They fed me like bananas and like bre banana bread and mm. this delicious papaya or something. Just delicious. Everything tasted so <laughs> amazing. It was like <gasps> ravenous. And then I got on a train to Cusco, like still kind of tripping and just so high and oh my god it was just oh i loved it we gotta take the podcast to south america <laughs> okay the next the episode we're gonna <laughs> yeah, try we gotta go. <laughs> so how did you um also like did a lot of these experiences happen before you moved to la and did you know got into set design was this sort of before all that or was this during that kind of time it's kind of those are two ex well when i was 20 i was doing the south america mm -hmm. adventure i was um so that was when I was pretty young. And then I moved to L.A. when I was 23 years okay. old. And I did the whole crazy motor, moto experience actually not too long ago. It was uh, 2018 I did the cross-country adventure. Yeah, it was a great year. Yeah. 2018 was such an epic year. Yeah. When the world did we still know. was open. <laughs> Little did we know <laughs> things would turn. <laughs> Even New Year's 20, uh, like, that was one of my best New Year's. The New Year's going into 2020. It's like, it's going to be a good year. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is it. This yeah. is the year. I'm I get like, out more. I remember saying, my goals, I'm going to lock them down. I'm going to go into lockdown with these goals. I'm going to quarantine myself to achieve what I need to achieve. No, you're going to be forced. <laughs> well, it happened. It, <laughs> it happened. Did. Never so, manifest exactly. I mean, I, I came in 2019 and then pandemic hit. So, but 2018 was a good year. <laughs> yeah. I was I locked down in India for the pandemic. That's how I started off with. Ooh, tell me more about yeah. that. Um, well, I was living there for the last three years, uh, working in Bollywood as an actor and teaching improv. And 
we started seeing things happening. I was actually two weeks before the lockdown, I was in uh, Rishikesh, Northern India, learning transcendental meditation. And I finished that and I came out and people were wearing masks. I'm like, really? Is this like gonna, and then like when we landed in Mumbai, they announced the lock one day lockdown. And I was like, that's a, how are they well, one day lockdown? And I think San Francisco was already <laughs> in lockdown at this point. I'm like, well, this is, this is spreading. I was like, yeah, just one day the, the virus will be beaten and then we're good to go. I'm like, I don't think it works that way, but okay. So we did the one day lockdown. They're like, okay, now we're just going to do two week lockdown. And then they're like, oh, and we shut down all the airports. So the airport's all closed. And I was like, wait, what? And then I was like, all right, guess I'm chilling here, you know? And then uh, the U.S. announced evacuation flights. And so they opened up the airport just for the U.S. flights. And I hopped on them. Wow. And came back to the U.S. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Transcendental meditation? Yeah. yeah. Did you do it? Uh, I meditate. Um, I don't know if I do transcendental. It's meditation. basically they give you a mantra and you just say the mantra in your head. Oh, yeah. Okay. It sounds really fancy. I do it then. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds fancy. Well, it, you know, I don't know if you know about kundalini yes, yoga. Yes, a bit, yeah. There, okay. So you do, you, do you practice? I've been practicing for a long time, ever since I moved to LA. Really? Yes. Do you have a, we were actually thinking about doing that and then talking about the podcast. There's a place in Beverly Hills. Ooh, where? Um, I don't know. I've, I've done it. Uh, I've done a good Where'd amount of go? it. Your place I, closed, right? Golden Bridge Yoga that was on Highland that closed. Then it was called Nine Treasures. Mm-hmm. That was in That's West Hollywood. That's Tage's place. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Tell us, yeah, ooh, you got the, where yeah. should we go if we want to like... Uh, go to Nine Treasures. Go to Tage's place. It's still open. I think she's I open. I think it might be in Santa Monica now. Because it used to be in like the plaza on Crescent Heights. But She moved probably yeah. from the karate gym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a karate... <laughs> It was like a karate gym above the McDonald's on Crescent Heights. Yeah. <laughs> She's really good, though. Yeah. She, it's it, uh, The thing I love about Kundalini is there's a much more spiritual ceremonial element to the mm. classes. When you do normal yoga here, it's like people are kind of in like gym gear and you just bring your mat. There's more of a ceremony and spirit to it, I guess. Yeah. And it's, Meditative it's, 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 and mantra. Yeah. There's a, there's a, at the end, it ends with like the gong and then everyone's lying down and meditating and the gong is playing and... It's just, I feel like it's more of a sensory experience. Do you do it at home or do you go to classes? I do it at home. Uh, and I've been going to Golden Bridge. Uh, went early days, Golden Bridge, the before they moved to the Hollywood location. Well, it was in Hollywood behind the Arclight. Early okay. days. It was a beautiful space. And then they had this other space. Mm-hmm. And I kind of missed that phase. Uh, I had moved to the west side to Venice for a while and then rama institute so it was like kind of out of the hollywood kundalini era uh, thing Mm -hmm. and then rama institute opened in venice and that i started going to classes again but tage specifically is someone i really love to practice with i think she leads and she's got a great sense of humor, first yeah, off. Yeah, she does. I mean, if you like, she's just like kind of cool. She's a rad, rad woman. So anyway, I love it. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Sage. Tage. Tage. T-E-J, right? Tage. Yeah. I did one class on Beverly about a month and a half ago. My first Kundalini class, I believe so. And... 
it was like the person had their laptop out and they're kind of like, okay, so the moons are in this cycle. <laughs> and uh, all right, let's do some breath of fire. But there's like a cockroach in the class mm. and it was like coming towards that's me. That's a bad, that's a bad omen. And I'm like looking at it and I'm trying to signal to her that there's a cockroach there because I don't want to like get up and just start. So I'm like, <laughs> trying to like, I'm like, like, she's also breathing. She's like, I'm like, you have a panic attack? I'm like, no, no. Then finally I'm like, it's like every- and then she looks and she sees it and then she's like, ah, it. it's like go. everyone's eyes closed and you're, you notice like the room's on fire. Fire, fire. Yes. Breath of fire. Get into it. Fire. It's a fire. Yes. Feel it. Um, Everybody's cash. Did you, did you experience, uh, what was your experience like when you're doing heavy breathing and breath of fire? Did you get a little high? I didn't personally. I've done. Uh, we actually we all did a cacao ceremony recently. Yeah, and that that, that was very that intense. That was powerful. My first that was intense. One, yeah, super intense. The first one I did was three months ago, and on that I really like I had like an emotional breakthrough, if you will, on that. Like it was super emotional. Yes, everyone was having it. Was so powerful. Yes, we all did it together. <laughs> we actually talked about it in the cacao ceremony. Um, but with breath of fire, with the class I did with the cockroach. <laughs> uh, nothing i felt nothing at all Sounds you like were distracted by that cockroach you you were not focused that cockroach? was it crawling near you yeah it was like in front of my mat and then it would go away and then it would come back you gotta go back like, you gotta go back and do it or do it here just you know it's how about you guys you've because you've done kundalini before i've done you? kundalini and the the cacao was similar i feel like the cacao really? uh well the breath of fire at least the cacao, I had way more of that vibratory feeling through my body than normal kundalini. Kundalini's poses, like, they kick my ass because, like, you're basically going to a plank or, like, making a bridge and you hold it for, like, 10, 10 minutes and it's it's a lot. It's very physically enduring, much more so than I expected. Like, I, I couldn't uh, do a lot of the things the full, the full time. So, for me, it was very it was very physically enduring. And then once you got to the meditation, I feel like, that helped in calm you down a bit. Calm you down because you went through just um, speeding everything up, and then you kind of right. relaxed. Have but you done it, Amanda? No, I mean the only breast work I did was with us. That's you know, the only when one we did the done. cacao ceremony. I mean, for me, it was fun, but it was weird. And I'm also <laughs> like, I'm I'm afraid of everything. You know, mm. I'm afraid of letting go. So yeah, my hands started cramping up like a little dinosaur. Dinosaur hands. Dinosaur hands. hands. Yes. I do. <laughs> so I had that, and then. My face started to like numb away, so yeah. I was, like, so I could barely like clench my lips. And yeah. Do it, so, I was, like, so it was really like intense, but you feel also you want to sort of explore weird. that because I feel the same. Like surrendering and letting go can be the hardest thing. Yeah. But it also can be so powerful when you surrender and you to the unknown and you let go. That's when you really get change to sort of come upon you. That's. The reason I can't get an orgasm. Wait, what? <laughs> what? We're going back to sex, <laughs> you guys. No, it's because you feel like you can't, you can't let go of control. Yeah, control. Yeah. So, but, but that was just like a side note. We don't have to talk about it. Well, it's all but connected. The- if you're like, if all your energy is like caught in your mind because the brain's trying to control everything, it's not flowing through the heart and even the sex organs. Mm-hmm. Then that kind of makes makes sense. Where yeah. you're, like, you're trying to control Great it all point. from up here instead but of letting it flow through. I feel like I'm in the last month has become so much better of just like letting go of control and just let whatever flow, you know, go and, and not have to control every single piece of my life. Mm. You know what I mean? Like 
I quit my job without having a security because mm-hmm. I really needed to do it. You that know? was a bold move. I'm very proud of you. Oh, uh-huh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I could say the same. I mean, you're really brave and you've done a lot too. That is very brave. And you've done so much. You. You're really inspirational in that sense. And can you talk a little bit about the Dirty Girls Project? Yeah. Um, it's not sexual, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm joking. Dirty Girls Project. Yeah. Okay. So I have really good friends. They're, their names are Amber and Harper Willett. They're sisters. And back in the early 90s or mid 90s, right around when Kurt Cobain passed away, there was in LA, these kids grew up in LA, there was a documentary made of these high school kids and it was about Amber and Harper growing up in LA, going to a school here called Crossroads and a student was documenting these kids at the school. And um, so this documentary kind of surfaced in the early, like, like 2013, I believe. So it had been vaulted, this footage of the 90s, these girls growing up in the 90s. And um, basically, at school, they were called dirty girls. All the popular kids, all these cliques. This kid was interviewing everyone in the school, and they called these girls dirty because they didn't shower, and they were just like super feminist movement, like, I don't give a fuck. Uh, totally into like grunge and that whole music scene and uh, in the docu in the documentary it was revealed that they were actually being bullied and so I highly recommend you watch this awesome documentary called Dirty Girls Um, you can get it you can see it on YouTube but Amber and Harper like in the like when this documentary was released they were like Let's get, let's start Dirty Girls Project. And so they basically took all of their friends and um, we started kind of like a club and started collaborating and mentoring like young teenage girls. Uh, We started collaborating with like fashion designers and cool artists and just doing crazy content creating. And anyway, uh, so... That inspired um, the whole feminist moto movement and a documentary that I started working on with Amber and Dirty Girls Project. And yeah, so we just started creating content, influencing young women, and getting wild at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's great. So is this available... like uh, the content you're creating, is that in terms of like is that video content or is that sort of products or? Well, yeah, that was, it was a whole, it was everything basically. We did like a, a design, like fashion collaboration. We did artist collaborations. We did photographer collaborations. And then we started working on a documentary specifically for female motorcyclists. I um that kind of reminds me. I feel like I want to find this. I think she's from LA too. She really cool girl I met in uh in Vietnam when I was doing my motorbike trip. She had sold her eggs to fund uh a her travel her her eggs. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Twice. 
Uh, she got a lot of money from it. Really? Like, yeah, like I think like close to thirty thousand dollars. What the f? And she bought a. You motor- get that? Yeah. And from she- giving your eggs? Yeah. Uh, she should go on hormones, I think, for a few months beforehand and do a lot of testing to make sure that she was super viable. But she had very viable eggs and um, she sold them twice and basically funded this year long trip before she was going to go do her master's program. Really, really cool woman I met. Uh, but traveling solo across Vietnam on a motorbike, sold her eggs to fund it. I love so that. Yeah. I love that. That is so. That is so dirty, eggs. girl. Yeah, that is so so like you know what? You yeah, I need to meet her. You need to find her for sure. They're, that in, is in LA. They'll actually give you more money if you sell your egg whites because it's just a little. <laughs> it's a little bit more, <laughs> yeah, more valuable protein, over right? here. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've so heard it's something that. to egg consider. Shit now. No, but I didn't know it was that much money though. It depends. Because I was thinking of doing it for free. Because oh. I think it's like for a good cause for people yeah. who can't have children if they want it. But they, sometimes it's just for people who, yeah, it's for people who can't have children. And they, but also sometimes like um, it's just they don't want to maybe give birth if they're like an actor. So they'll hire someone else. But yeah, use their eggs to, or, there's many reasons. But yeah, it's it, it's a great thing. You're helping people out for whatever reason. But it does take a toll on you. So you got to take that into account because you have to uh. go on hormones. Uh, I don't like that idea. Yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll it's see what an happens. intense process. It's intense. It's it not is like, not yeah. easy. I know so many females, uh, friends that are freezing their eggs mm. for the future. And, and that costs a lot of money to, I mean, that's like, I, I have no idea what the price point is, but you have to go on a tremendous amount of hormones and then you have to pass all of these eggs at once, which seems so extreme. It's mm. like, Wow. Um, and mm. I think it takes a real toll on your body. There's some recovery too. So, and they don't talk about that. You know how they do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know how they do. They're like, it's easy. No big deal. Like giving birth. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, right, bitch. Get away. I know. It's, uh, it's no almost way. perpetuated in culture and in uh, in Hollywood where it's like, I saw I heard you froze your eggs. Like on a red carpet. Yes, I'm so excited, but they're not showing the side. Like, yeah, I was fucking painful and a long type of thing it's like parenting yeah exactly no one tells the truth and you you all and i mean it's easy for some people to parent because they have like four nannies you know like the ones that are super successful and all of that they're like i'm a mother i'm an entrepreneur i do this i'm do this and everyone looks at it and be like oh i guess i should also be that like a super mom or and an entrepreneur and an actress and a host yeah and then they realize like Oh no, she actually has like people working right. for her and, and if, she can afford it. If you notice like the magazine covers for like a celebrity that gives birth, it's like how Jennifer got her body back in just like three weeks. That's yeah. what's focused on, not like how Jennifer Jennifer's body, how Jennifer's <laughs> body like has transformed through motherhood because the brain and the entire body is now providing for a living thing. But I feel like the focus is always on vanity and uh, what they can sell from that. True, it's for like all the magazines. Yeah, you no, always no, see yeah. that. It's like, look at her, her, her body bounce back so quickly. And well, they're just trying to sell as many things. Exactly. So like, but why is that the most important right. part of that whole mir- miraculous experience? It's been going on since the beginning of time. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've that learned pressure it. on women to, yeah. to be, do, and yeah. look a one certain of, way. One constantly. of my close friends just had uh, her second child. And just from listening to her experiences, I've learned so many things that I never knew. She's like, my sex drive is, has been like non-existent for a while. My whole body just feels like it's like depleted in ways. And 
I didn't, I didn't know any of those things because I feel like so much of it is kind of just the way men have this toxic masculinity. There's, I don't want to say toxic femininity, but it's almost like women just speak about these things like behind closed doors about what's going on. But I feel like a lot of men and society in general don't know what, it, actually what actually, yeah, what actually happens through childbirth and early motherhood and, and all of that. Yeah. You didn't even know about the menstrual cup. No, I didn't. Yeah, uh, Steven. Did you? <laughs> I knew I, about I it. I played beer pong with you one once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, don't, I still don't know what a menstrual cup is. You still don't know? Go back and listen to our episode. It's like a pad, right? But it's a cup. No. no. You have it up. In it's your actually cup. a silo- yeah, silicone. silicone cup. So it's like almost like a little rubbery. Yeah, I have one in right just now. Like you dispenses put it. Yeah, into but it, it doesn't absorb anything. It just holds the and liquid you, like, in d- a cup. Dump it out. Yeah. 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 That's the problem with these things. I, they don't, I mean, some people talk about it. I mean, but you have to like, say you're in a public place and it's like, oh, I got to go clean out my cup. <laughs> you know, you want to rinse know. that thing. Before, I, oh yeah. You don't oh, wanna, definitely. Yeah. And so you, it's kind of hard to do it. And pu- that's why I personally haven't gotten there, gone there yet uh, is because you know, I'm a traveler, so I'm always in a public bathroom. But uh, <laughs> but you have to clean the cup out in the sink. Right. Yeah. And you know, I just don't think I don't know if I really want to be like someone washing their hands. And then I'm like, you know, <laughs> swabbing yeah, my cup <laughs> with blood down the sink. Sorry, guys, for yeah. the graphic. But I mean, <laughs> since I discovered it, my life has changed forever. So is it because tampons are Did Katie hurt? inspire that? Mm, I did before I did that. have it before, uh-huh. but when she came, it was just in the beginning, and then I oh, got wow. more intrigued to using it. So I've actually been using it since then. I have one in right family. now, just so you know. Yes. It's <laughs> it's more it's more natural is the, the big draw to it. And uh, I think so. Yeah. I, I think it's really... Is the cup like rubber? It's s- silicone. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I think it's like... For the environment, I think it's great. Mm. And for you guys had mentioned toxic shock syndrome too. Um, oh, that's yeah. another benefit mm-hmm. of avoiding that. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, it's just all those applicators and stuff, and it's reusable. And yeah, I just, so, I just really like mine. But yeah, public bathrooms. I gotta get over my fear. Away. Yeah, I but gotta get over my fear. <laughs> I don't, I don't like pooping in public bathrooms. I feel like I mentally can't even do it, especially like airport ones when. First of all, why are stalls built with like cracks through all of them? Can we build the other like few the inches? Cracks, you're talking about the door all cracks? of them. Why is there a bottom crack? Like why is well, this? The bottom cracks for mopping. Okay. Too okay. damn bad. Let's build me a full door that goes from floor <laughs> to ceiling. Steve D'Amico for president. For real. <laughs> build the door. In Seriously. Europe, in Europe, they build floor to like the full length door yeah. for privacy. Yeah. But so you'll see that more yeah. in like European countries. Yeah. And I think that's really civilized too. So yeah, I don't understand why there's just everyone just you accepts would hate it. In parts of India. Well, well I know it's a hole. Uh, in China it's yeah. a, it's not about the hole or a toilet. If oh, I had a, if I had a full door, if I had a full door, I don't mind squatting into a hole. It's the fact that it just seems Have like you ever done it? I don't. Yeah, I did it once. Where? In China. Oh. I don't. I didn't. I don't think I pooped in it though. But the, even in the eight- <laughs> why are you squatting in it then? I think it was actually a glory hole. I misunderstood. Oh. <laughs> why was I squatting in it? Yeah. I remember seeing one. I don't know if I used it. I think it was oh, in like okay. the Beijing 
bathroom. But I feel like that gives it like a bad because like people assume like, oh, China or Korea, these Asian countries, they just, yes, they do have those in rural areas, but they also have the most advanced toilets in the world too. The bidets. Yes. The, uh, in Japan, it plays music. It's a heat it, warmer. A fan. A fan. It, it blows water. Uh, you control your temperature. What else does it do? I think it's it built in Wi-Fi. Yeah. I think you can watch TV. You can do everything. You can karaoke like, on the toilet. Probably. Yeah. Like, you don't I have think to so. Leave. Are you guys serious? How do you watch TV? You, yeah, it has like a TV it's like and then you're like <laughs> washing and drying and it I think it scrubs your so asshole. Advanced. I agree. I'm on I'm on wipes now and I'm never going back to toilet paper <laughs> just because it just makes more sense to have something with water. Get the tushy. It's like a squatty potty. It's like a little bidet. Oh. And it hooks up to they your were in Shark Tank, weren't they? I maybe. Or is it tush or tushy? amazing you'll never you will oh it's delightful to have a a rinse after a poo that's nice it is so they said you rent i was like what rinse <laughs> I rent. four dollars thank you a rinse rinse yeah it's beautiful it's go get one they're like 65 dollars i don't know what this is we i have my own toilet <laughs> we can build a toilet in the living room and just split it you guys. but i need a i need a full wall around me oh man do you, you uh, speaking of toilets, uh, do you still do set design? <laughs> I do not. Speaking of toilets. Speaking of it. No, I do not do any set decorating or designing. Um, I got out of that really early in my career. Uh, the film and television industry is pretty hardcore. It's like 12, 14, 16, 18 hour days. Yeah. And that you can do that for a little while. I know people that have worked in the industry for years, decades, and they just, woo. But I think their relationships suffer, their quality of life suffers. And I think I caught on to that early on, thank God. Yeah. And I, I mean, I still had been working in production, event production, which is a little bit better. And then I moved on and started doing other things, uh, various forms of production. But yeah, I think I had to move away from that early on. I got a good dose of it, like got a taste. And, and I was like, you know what? No. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I chose. We saw a lot of that with the, um, I guess the the protests that were about to happen mm -hmm. and the strike and stuff, because uh, it makes no sense for people to be working eighteen hour days every day. Yeah, twelve. Never ends. Twelve hour days are typical, and I think twelve hour days are ridiculous. Yeah. I think honestly, I think eight hours a day is nuts, but yeah. <laughs> I think, I think six, I think six is the, I think is the also, number four days a week. Yeah. Sign me up. There's a lot of wasted yeah, time definitely. on sets too. I feel like we're like just people trying to figure things out and I get it. Like sometimes you have to do that, but I always find there's a lot of wasted time. I'm like, Oh, absolutely. You know, like, it's just too much. And everyone has to suffer because of it. Cause of one person maybe in decision at the time. Now the whole crew's waiting around and, or this is happening. Yeah. Um, it's a waste of time. It's just a ton of waste, period. Yeah. Like waste, material waste. It's it's every spectrum of waste. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually funny when you say that six hour days or like between four and six hour work days and then like four days a week. That would actually be the only thing that may, would make me consider at nine to five if, if the schedule was like that because right yeah. now i have really commitment issues mm -hmm. scarred since before so i like i don't want to have another job like i don't want to sign that contract to say like okay i'm gonna work full time for you because i just feel like eight hours five days 
I'm going to be exhausted when I get home. And I mean, obviously, I mean, I can kind of get a few of those jobs that you have to work like 18 hours. Like, for example, yesterday I was at People's Choice Award. It was really fun. But I remember when I walked out and I just looked at the production crew and I was like, they're going to be here all night and, you know, take down the stage and bring everything home and pack it all up. I'm like, this is going to take a while. And it was only for a two-hour show. They're probably still doing it. And then all of the custodial type of workers, I'm sure there was like overnight ones to get it all done. I can speak uh, People's Choice Award, uh, People's Choice Award, rather. Um, I worked on that set back in 2008 for uh, when I was an animation producer. Oh, yeah. And so I can speak to that fully (laughs) I can imagine (laughs) that that. is like the full form of production I was working on and I remember working literally 18 hour days on that project I can imagine and it was so nuts I even remember sleeping in a trailer overnight trying to get all of the animation done because in time for the show and they do it in this airport in Santa Monica and like I I saw some clips and I was like where are they I thought they should Barker hangar yeah probably Probably. I, I don't it's know. a great change locations each year. No, it's always there. I mean, last year it was there, too. Huh. OK, well, back in the day, they did it at Universal Studios here. Oh, whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was like, why do you have to? Because now they have to build everything from like the ground. Yeah, it was like tents set up. And I don't know. I just thought about how much effort they put into making this fake stage and fake you know for two hours not to mention the fake awards like (laughs) it's like why are we like what is it people for them yeah who it's just it's just a it's a money-making uh program just like anything else on tv to sell ad space and to sell the products of everyone that's being featured the projects they're working on the awards are pointless this was even mean first um award show in america right people choice or yeah i think so yeah what was that did you was it fun being there was you like what was your experience you, like i mean you're at the show you right you in the yacht of people of the year was that what was that you know awesome. you know yesterday you know last night i said did you see amanda's instagram she just got presented with an award for best podcast and brian's like what it's <laughs> <I was> like <laughs> we're getting there yeah. but now <laughs> this close it, this close well, just, i don't even know about it and <laughs> why were we invited <laughs> she thanked us she's like oh i'm just kidding i'm like okay that wasn't funny <laughs> that, that would have been something no i mean it was fun to see um but it's also always interesting to be on set and just see how it looks in real life yeah. and how it actually looks on television because it looks so much grander and bigger and bolder and like in reality it's like Tiny. Yeah, did I, you I don't know. Like you were um, sort of at this award show, or did you feel more like you were now an actor? Because like, all right, cutting for five. No, take your lunch <laughs> break. Uh, can we get all the guests over here? Can we? Did they do any of that, like mixing you around at different seats and stuff? No, we were seated. Okay. During the entire show, but the, I mean, maybe a little bit more like an actor, but it just made me feel, it's it's just a fun thing. But yeah. but the most fun part was the that Jeff Bezos was there. Was he? That's, really? that's insane. Why was he there? He gave like an award to uh, The Rock. He bought the People's Choice Awards. <laughs> yeah, he probably, probably <laughs> did, honestly. Cause, yeah. Because I was like, is that? And he just made a cameo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
Who knows? Did he actually buy it? No, oh. I'm joking. That is <laughs> not true. We don't know. That is not true. Ownership. Who actually that owns the People's Choice Awards? What channel did it, does it air on? He bought the Washington Post. I have no Post, clue. I, oh. I think it airs that. on Fox. He, it's probably some, some kind of business dealing. Do you feel like you've seen behind the illusion of Hollywood the more these types of events you go to and you're like, okay, this is just smoke and mirrors? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Like, I, I, I think I understand more. Um, you know, when you first come to L.A. and people say, like, oh, people are so fake. Everyone's so fake. Everyone wants something from you. And it's true. But it's not because it, I don't $20. think it's... <laughs> take it after. Can I, can, I f- can I have five of that? <laughs> can I move in? But the thing is... No, so I think that a lot of, you know, people you meet, they don't use you because they're evil people. Mm-hmm. But I can really see that that's how it goes it's yeah. like follow me on instagram and i follow you back i post you know you post i post mm. you do this i post for you so like yeah. people want to help each other but it also comes off a little bit you know excessive too. it's a city of networking too where like your career is sort of determined about who you know and what, what projects you've done so everyone kind of knows this in the back of their mind and they feel like a lot of people want to sort of network their way up and it creates this weird sort of thing where people are like okay what have you done or like, oh, you're an actor. Cool. What have you been in? Nothing I've seen. That's <laughs> great meeting you. Take care. You know, versus like, oh, you're a producer. Or what have you done? And then like, there's, they're seeing if your resume is worth you your time to speak to them. No. And this happens a lot any, in big cities. It's true. Uh, but you know, the small cities, you, they, they don't care. It's like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Like, let's play a card game. You know, <laughs> like that's but, bond. Let's yeah, play. but that's, I mean, from for you, you've been in like big productions and, you know, big events. Do you... How did you feel coming from Nashville to LA? Did you feel like there was a difference too, and the people, or was it just different in two thousand and three? Oh, completely. It took me a long time to actually really bond with LA because I, growing up in Tennessee, I was always like, "LA people are so fake." Yeah, you know, I will never live in LA. <laughs> I used to tell myself as a kid, you know. And I just thought L.A. was just really about plastic surgery and fake people. And I got here, uh, I learned that there's a lot of layers to it. There's obviously so tremendous diversity and you've got the entertainment industry and I got a big dose of that. And um, I realized that uh, I was it was true, a lot of it was accurate, mm-hmm. but there are so many layers and awesome cultural uh, dynamics here, and I just, it took me a while, but I did end up falling in love with LA. Uh, That's what I hear a lot, I feel like people like, because I just moved here a year ago, and everyone's like, you, you just gotta find your tribe, and it takes time, but when you find your tribe, you'll you'll love LA. And I feel like it's even like Silver Lake area, like it has its own energy to it mm. versus West Hollywood versus Culver City. Like it tracks certain different kind of people. Um, and you just kind of kind of have to shop around and see what resonates like, like with you more and then sort of go in that area because then all your interactions change. Right. If you're like, you know, super into whatever partying, but you go like, you know, live in a spiritual like area, part of town, whatever, you're not going to vibe with that and vice versa. If you're really spiritual and you're into this, but you're in like the heart of West Hollywood above, you know, like a massive, the Abbey, you're going to hate that people are lining up outside every night and music blasting the 2am. So I feel like a lot of it's just finding that sort of your tribe in your area and sort of navigating your life around that. Yeah. I mean, LA is big and it 
has a lot to offer. Yeah. You just got to find it. Yeah, you got to find your LA family for sure. Yeah, it's really LA important. LAFamily.com. LA family, <laughs> let me help you <laughs> find your perfect LA family. It's like uh, LA, LAfamilymatch.com. Let's we, do we it. We would all use that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> we really would. And, but the thing is, like, if we were to use it, we would never have been friends. Because you would have been, like, spiritual. I don't know. I don't even know. <laughs> That's the funny. Yeah, you're funny. funny. You're funny. Yeah, yeah but you probably. No, yeah, but you would probably be in, like, not to be that, but, like, you know, maybe look more in towards, like, gay community. Yeah. That are on and the same comedy. page of you. Yeah, and comedy. Yeah. And you, spiritual, and I, I don't even know. We'll see. I'd be in the comedy. I mean, that's where I, most of my life happened because of Facebook groups. Like, yeah. when I was in Vietnam, the only reason I got discovered improv comedy was I saw a Facebook post. You know, the only reason I got that travel show is because I saw, I saw a Facebook post. I wanted to see what foreigners were doing. And I responded, did that. And like, hey, you're funny. Would you want to host a travel show? And I was like, yeah. Uh, I need to know more about this travel show. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of awful. Uh, but <laughs> I don't believe it. It's me in the jungle of Vietnam for 20 days with a producer, a film crew, and a drone operator trying to navigate and like be funny. Uh, and I was had the heaviest. I think I was like 265 pounds. And there's this one scene where I'm like crawling through like this mud <laughs> in the Camel jungle, and I'm like sinking. And this like short Vietnamese guy is like pulling me out, and I'm trying to be like. Yeah, so as you can see, it's really thick here. And he's like pulling me out. And then they added this like cartoon music over it. And I'm like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> That's this, horrible. This filmed <laughs> in Vietnam? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you speak Vietnamese? I Very little. At the time, I knew a bit more. But Mo Chu Ting Viet, I speak a little Vietnamese. Okay. Um, but I had I had an interpreter there. So they were sort of. Oh, okay. Um, and it's a few things we cheated in the sense like. If I was interviewing you and, and some of the, the northern dialect, which I spoke and the southern are very different. Mm -hmm. And we're in the southern um, in the Kamau forest south of uh, Saigon. Mm -hmm. And so we'd be having an in-depth conversation. And I didn't know what they're saying because they're going really fast. and They're getting really emotional. I'm like, going so I'm like kind of <laughs> just trying to react to that. And then from my sort of reactions, the producer would sit down, the camera would go in front of her. And then she would say in English, like, you know, like. My entire house burnt down after the Americans murdered my grandfather. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, my God. That's like, horrible. <laughs> so there's a lot of that. A lot um, of depth there. Yeah, that's a um, lot of truth was this, there. Was the show supposed to be about a foreigner going? Yes. It, it's called Vietnam Discovery. So it's about foreigners going out in Vietnam, discovering the beauty and of did Vietnam. Did you ever uh, hear it back in like Vietnamese narration, see if they actually translated it in the way that you were saying? Or are they like making you the butt of the joke? No. Like they, the village they, white man coming they, in and getting stuck in a field. And boom, 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 boom. There's a little bit of that. Um, there's... <laughs> Yeah, for the translations I think are pretty accurate, but there's a bit of that sort of like, I'm this American guy coming in, sort of like exploring, and it was supposed to be a comedy. I mean, they brought me on because of my improv comedy experience. So we there had, was that element for sure. Yeah, I, we had kind of a similar show in Sweden where we brought in Americans and we just laugh at them, to be honest. And it's horrible, but it's about American people that have like Swedish heritage. Uh-huh. So they come there to like find it, but it almost becomes a little bit weird because Swedes are not used to the Americans. Right. Like, I love this. Everyone's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it was like very, so I think that for that show, the Americans are really like 
yeah the this ones is, that we make wasn't a joke. so much about like making fun of it because it wasn't just americans all foreigners i think that the goal of it was sort of to have foreigners see the beauty of vietnam yeah. to see yeah. vietnam besides when you hear vietnam immediately you think the vietnam war with american vietnam mm-hmm. right that's immediately what flashes through your mind agent orange blood all of these things and there's so much more to that and so mm-hmm. the show really is trying to showcase like the beauty of the vietnamese culture and the food mm-hmm. and the landscape and it is such a beautiful country just my episodes tend to be very comical and i'm dying to go and explore vietnam you 100 percent sure i would love it if you go to hanoi let me know i will Um, let you know team out there i will go yeah and you could do the motorbike trip i'll do the motorbike trip i actually did a little moped trip through thailand did you yeah that's where i learned how to drive yeah which part i was in gosh north or south it was like a little it was west of bangkok and it was a longer river and I don't forgot the name of the town, but okay. I went to uh, Burma, like the well, not Burma, but Myanmar. Myanmar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was on for the motorbike. Border. Yeah, I was on, but I didn't cross the border. I got <sighs> str- to the border, and I got a double flat tire in the rain, in the middle of nowhere. Double flat, like both of my tires you know went then- flat. <laughs> when I was going like forty-five miles, you know what they do there, though, right? They. What? Tell me. So the, a lot of the times the mechanics will put nails out in the road. So <laughs> makes sense. So the you get flats, and that's why you get so many flats. Oh I, my! I had it. Yeah, it happened more when God. you're like in the smaller towns, not on the big highways, because that would just cause so much chaos. It's more these smaller routes. Yeah, it's quite common. And they're like, oh, your tires out? Well, uh, fifty bucks. You know, and you're like, oh. I, I was this in. Happened to me. This happened to me. Yeah. yeah. I was. It was in the rain. It was a mo- like crazy monsoon weather i was like i've got to make it yeah. to the border <laughs> and uh just like <laughs> you know uh really trying to get in there and i was just like what's you know and i was like i was so close i was literally like no. at the border and then i got a double flat tire and i had to get at someone on and i was in the middle of nowhere were you alone alone that's scary i was nuts yeah. back then i'd still so you never it. made it to myanmar I did not. It's a beautiful country. Unfortunately yeah. not. Yes, I'm Now really not the best to time go. to go because of the genocide. But later. But yeah. yeah. And because of COVID. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's that, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple. But it's, be- I mean, Southeast Asia is so beautiful. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. Thailand is the most touristy of all of them. But even those elements of if you ever go up to Pai in the northern part, mm-hmm. and it's like you get in these like nice little like rice patties, and it's so nice. There's a little hostel there called um, Mama Sa's or something. Um, it's really hard to get in and it's like the dingiest hostel, but it's her and her husband's this artist. And so it's covered with all this artwork and she's so friendly. She treats you like your family and like, it's such a cool vibe, but it's like a two month waiting list to get in with a room with bunk beds. I love art. Yeah. (laughs) Is it because of the community that goes there? It's just travelers. She's very well known. Um, you just hosted recently an art, uh, gallery at your house. How did that? Yeah. That's where me and Brian found you. Like I knew you since before, but that was Brian. Yeah, first time meeting I you. know. Yeah. It was really fun. Did you guys have a good time? Did. We I really did. Yes. Your house is awesome. Yes. And yeah. we all obviously fell in love with your house because you know I love your house. Thank you. Yeah. We're so glad you've agreed to let us take over your lease. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah Moving in tomorrow, right? No, but it was a beautiful show and the art was stunning. Thank you. Yeah. So I used to do these pop up art gallery 
shows, art shows, basically, at my house. I had a really small a craftsman house in Venice on Abbot Kenny, which is, if anyone knows, it's like a major sh- shopping street oh, yeah. in Venice. It's awesome. So it was a great location. I did that in like for I did it for eight years and I would do like two or three a year and they had huge success it was a small space so we'd really pack it in and there's absolutely nothing to do in Venice at night so people just like flocked and it I I loved it and so for many years I moved back to the east side to Silver Lake from Venice and I just stopped doing it for six years it's been a big lull and yeah, and last weekend I decided, or a couple weeks, a few weeks ago, I decided to like, hey, I'm ready to go back and do this and transform my space, empty out the clear the entire home basically, and set up an art gallery. No, oh, I have to do that again. You have to do more. Yeah, there will. Did you say we have to do. That? I love that. <laughs> I, yeah, but I, I mean, that. you and have we to do. Have to do more. <laughs> you, you have to do, and we have to come. <laughs> we have to go. We yeah. we have um, a future art show coming up, so it'll do be you? in April. Yeah, Ooh. so we're gonna do it again. It it was totally successful this past weekend, and thanks for coming out and supporting. Yeah. It means the world to me that two came out, and you. You're coming in April. I was going to go. I got caught up. (laughs) I have a question. Do you think um, art galleries, there's more of a demand for it now because maybe over the last year or so, there's like a shift to more NFTs and digital type of art where there's more of a craving for the traditional art galleries? Or where do you see the trends going? I was reading some artists now are kind of, they feel disenfranchised from the, the high stakes gallery world and they would rather do things through nfts or digitally or independently um that's what i have experienced with the artist that i you know that i love to support they're usually smaller artists that have had maybe not such huge gallery experience i mean they have a little bit of experience and so when they come into and see the space like for instance brooke sauer who we just had the art show for she had not shown her art for a few years, obviously, the pandemic, but she came into the space and loved the idea of it being a residential space, something so intimate, unique, and it wasn't this crazy expense for her either. It's not like most galleries want 40 to 60% of the sales, and that's not what I'm about at all. So it's a unique experience for sure for artists. Um, and I have some, the next artist is going to be not, I mean, he's amazing. Um, he's had a lot of gallery experiences. Um, and my space would be very small for him. But uh, the fact that it's just, again, a unique experience is um, an intimate and like very local, local centric supporters like LA support is very unique to them uh so i think that's the biggest draw for my gallery Mm. event it's just like it's not actually a gallery it's just a pop-up so um i i think and as far as digital and nfts i don't know enough to speak about it but i'd like to like like know more and maybe you can like I don't know Talk that about much about it, it but bit. I'm wondering if like the future of galleries are just like monitors all over the well, room instead of that, the actual art. Interesting if you actually did that, 
you set up a gallery, but with like iPads and the iPads displayed the NFT. It's kind of, redundant. I'm sure it'd be bigger than an iPad. It'd probably make a large right. monitor. That's kind of like, it's like a picture of a digital picture that looks like a real picture. It's kind of weird. You know, I don't, Inception. I don't really understand this whole NFT. I see people on Instagram being like, I just made my first NFT log in here. If you yeah. like to buy it, I'm like, why would I? Like, and if NFTs are interesting from a business perspective, but from a creative or art perspective, it's yeah. kind of, I don't get it. I mean, it feels a little bit like cryptocurrency mm. that I'm not like, I'm still not sure where it's going to go. No, one so to speak. <laughs> no, no obviously yeah. no one is, yeah. but like, because some people have more like a strong opinions, like yeah. this is going to be the future. And I'm like, I'm actually like, not so other sure. than owning an NFT to make money off it, it, say I own the Mona Lisa NFT and I just like making a killing because everyone wants to use it. I understand that. But for personal use, what are you going to do to display your NFT? Have a monitor you on the wall? Monitor, it just looks just it just looks kind of like janky. I feel like, dr- like actually like a PowerPoint. It. Welcome mm-hmm. to my PowerPoint. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like weird. It's a different, I guess, mindset. I, again, I don't think I know as much either, but. Like, I personally would rather have the physical thing that so I can touch it yeah. and look at it. Mm. But maybe that's just me. Maybe other people feel that sort of passion about having a digital version. It's like analog versus digital. Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot of people just want the real yeah. thing and, yeah. and the tradition, like tradition. Yeah. How would you display? Yeah, you would have if like I a think mod, a well, if, well, for now, but eventually when whatever Print we have, what kind of like earpiece or whatever they want to give us for technology, and we'll be able to, here's your phone right in front of you, here of the the NFTs on the wall, but they're not, well, Google they're not, they're not actually fail. on the wall. Yeah. The Google tried that whole thing was kind of funny when people are like out with, you remember this with the Google glasses mm-hmm. and they were out recording people and people like, don't record me. Like, and then they're like, we're being discriminated. Like they took this stance of they're being like discriminated against and people don't understand the people with the, and the people like, shut up. Like you're in a bathroom. You should not be recording people you know, <laughs> as you're walking in. Like your, your rights aren't being infringed on here. Like you're, you're breaking other people's rights, you know? I was like, no, that's not the way. No, the people wearing the glasses were yes, getting they, upset with what? Yes, they were getting upset that they were people were bullying them or like treating them like, you know, disrespectful or like they're being uh, marginalized by society. And people were like, you're recording people against their permission. Like, I know. It's like walking into the, someone's home with a camera crew and be like, yes. the lighting's not good. What the hell, guys? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it stopped basically, right? I think it will come back though, Google Glass. I think in a different form, it, I think it will. Um, but that kind of went under. It's an interesting idea, but it's sort of this weird. Privacy. Imagine a Google product going under. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, that's, that's imagine a few of them. Imagine a Google product not having the best interest yeah. of humans. Well, they got rid of their slogan <laughs> of uh, "Do No Evil." They got rid of that. I'm gonna get Duck Duck Go glasses. Yeah. <laughs> They're just normal glasses. Like no one can track you. They just you can just improve your vision. It's amazing. I think eventually they don't even need glasses. There's probably some nanoparticle they can use to create that experience. For sure, yeah. I was but, just reading they just launched um, a nano product uh, into the air to track weather patterns and also population. I don't know if you saw that. I wasn't sure how the two are related, but they kind of threw that in. They can track popula- uh, uh, population densities. And I was like, wait, wait, hang on. What? And we're just releasing this into the air? Like, mm. you could breathe it in. Like, what? This doesn't seem like the best idea. I don't know. Wow, I can't even imagine. Like, yeah. a nano product, like just this little particle yeah. floating in the air that's picking up all this data. Yeah, it's weird. They did. They that just is released really yeah. science. <laughs> they just released uh, modified mosquitoes, which is actually a good thing. So they released mosquitoes basically to get rid of malaria and mm. dengue. And somehow it like I don't know how that works, but they genetically modified I think the females, so males 
So they were only mate with certain males that don't have this or something. So basically, sure. they'll, get rid, they'll get rid of the malaria in the population. <laughs> Unless there's a you know weird side effect because they're genetically modified. But I mean, I don't even know what to believe anymore. Like when it, when I hear all these, did you have you heard that? <laughs> I think it's fun. What? It's a conspiracy theory that says the bird doesn't is not a thing. Like the bird, bird, the, sc- the scooter. Bird, no birds are existing anymore. Apparently, Th- that according they're all to deep the, on Reddit, I've I've heard that they're all surveillance. Right, right. That's what I because I heard it on the radio. It was like this. <laughs> This thing about this group of people that believes in it, but that it's also have become like no one actually believes it, but they just do it to mock society. And that's why they join this group of birds are only surveillance. Group. Really I don't know. It was a I think, whole documentary I think, on radio. I think they don't even need to do that. I think there's um, there's surveillance built in through... Um, through the cameras on the streets. Well, what do you mean? You don't need birds. <laughs> like every camera, like. But it, according to this group, like the the last Wait, bird Amanda, died. How did you get into this group? And how deep are you into this I'm, bird? The I'm birds not. aren't real group. <laughs> no, I mean I'm pretty deep because you're pretty deep. <laughs> oh not, no, I don't believe it. Well, but I mean, yeah. I heard the documentary on on the radio. So oh, there's a documentary about yes, these about people. the about the people. But what about what it. about bird shit? What's that? I don't Ooh, know. Spoiler alert. They're just like I, pooping not, out USB drives. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> oh, my car got dinged. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, Maybe I that's can't why you're, it's it. lucky if a bird poops on you because all the other birds are fake. <laughs> it's like, it was a real bird. It pooped on you. Um, that's a crazy conspiracy. I can, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Don't go too deep in that one. No, I'm not. But yeah. it was a fun episode to, to listen to. I'm sure to. you could build a drone that blends in with the birds. Obviously, I, yeah. yeah. You could build an AI that looks like human humans that has human reactions you could easily build a i mean you could buy it at toys r us well that doesn't exist anymore you could buy it at a store wait toys but it was r us like, is gone i think it's gone right amazon yeah literally it's crazy that toys r us was such a staple store circuit city radio shack and toys r us yeah were kingpins and they're yeah. pretty much all gone and what's funny is amazon everything went online and now amazon is building stores so people can shop in person. It's just like, it's well, they, like what? Yep. Yeah. It's they, so interesting because people yeah. still want to go in and have that experience of touching it. And so now Amazon's building stores everywhere. It's just grocery stores, right? But do you think they're no, going to go in tech as well? And in Europe, they have it. They have the stores you can go and actually shop for um, like just normal items. Marina Del Rey, they have an Amazon store. Yeah. yeah. Do they? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's in all Westfield, tech yeah. and books and it's like a bookstore. Yeah. They have like, one in the Westfield really? Mall too. What? Central City. Do you get yeah. all the same like deals yeah what well, if they're like we're gonna have to ship it to you what no what <laughs> but th- that's it's gonna be I seven go. to ten days to pick up your book do you hey, remember that used to be seven to ten now everything's two days yeah two but days but i mean that store i because you can go to that store and do your returns there so you don't have to send oh, okay. it that's what i do that's what i do too yeah i do the returns at whole what? foods yeah just whole foods go to the ups store right there but then you have to send it yeah but you can no. just print out the label no, you don't even have to do that. You just literally hand them the package. Yeah, you're just like, here's on the packages. Some require you to have a box. Really? And, yeah, and the UPS is like, it's $10 for the box. That's like, why you shouldn't what? send it. That's why you should just like leave it at the Amazon store. Yeah, there's different options. I'm going to take you to the Amazon store someday. That's the kindest thing. We'll be like the time you try to go to Ikea to buy Swedish meatballs. <laughs> Did that. The line was so long during the pandemic. Like, it was during oh, the pandemic. The only like, place open. Yeah. It was <laughs> it's like the so hard long. long. I'm like, like, yeah, that's amazing. We hop in the car, we drive over there, and the line was so. It was like a two-hour line for meatballs. But, for yeah. Meatballs. Did we eventually go? Was that? 
We never went. We I went with I went with my ex. Sorry, that's what it was. Wow. Oh. I was like, because I, like, I still had to fill that need of. I was at IKEA last week. Really? Yep. That's Why? Because of the meatballs. That's how that's how I feel about IKEA. For the meatballs, actually. Yeah, and and also like they have the Swedish food market, so I buy like uh, Swedish food. Lingonberry. Yes. Is Love IKEA that. that big in Sweden as it is here? Yeah. Oh. If not bigger. Really. There's many yeah. more of them per capita than you see here. Not really. Um. I think we only have a couple of stores uh, because they, they require so much space and yeah. that requires like it wouldn't work in like the smaller towns in, in Sweden because I mean, obviously not enough people. Mm -hmm. um, but, but yeah, it's it the definitely same vibe? Big. like here. I feel like and it could be wrong. This could be my personal opinion. But when I think Ikea, I think bring my son to college, just get him some modern furniture, right? It's like a young sort of like first apartment, yeah. first job want to look like an adult not too expensive build it yourself it's like legos yeah but like now i would never be like hey like i'm looking for some more of like to spice up the art decor in here let's go to ikea yeah like, no ikea I ikea is but definitely not maybe i'm wrong no that? but i think that's you can pick and choose items at I ikea yeah. and that's fine you just it's you don't maybe want to go full on yeah, no, I like, you know. this apartment's yeah. very yeah. Ikea. That well, that, that the, the design, those types of tables and everything. Yeah. And it's just like... I'm pretty sure that's actually from Ikea. And the mirror. And that dresser. I think, especially oh. living in a city, you're better... I hate it! You're better, you're better <laughs> off using uh, OfferUp or even Craigslist to find, like, furniture that might have been pre-used but has more character to it. And then you can get the other little things here and there from, like, an Ikea. You know what I did when I lived in India? Um, quite renting all your stuff. Yeah, I've heard about yeah. that, but I don't get it. So, I mean, it really only <laughs> makes sense if you're going to be somewhere for like a year and then like, or six months. But if you're planning on living there, it doesn't add up. It still doesn't add up. For, opposed to like putting your stuff in storage. Right. Yeah. You well, if you don't have much stuff, let's say like you're you're moving to England tomorrow, mm. and but you're only there for six months and they're putting you in a, an unfurnished house. <laughs> your company sucks. They're putting you in an unfurnished apartment. <laughs> and, like figure it out. So it wouldn't necessarily make sense to buy all this stuff, like washing machine, fridges. I'm talking about all the appliances. Mm. So we used it for that. We bought like our, we got the water frustration system, the our washer dryer, we got an air purifier, um, all and the fridge. Basically, we rented it all, and it worked out to like 150 bucks a month. It's bad. way too much. Well, if you would buy a whole new fridge and like um, then thousands of dollars, true, and, true, yeah, it adds up. Yeah, so I, it only makes sense. But yeah, if you're going to be in a city for like three years, then you're renting everything. That makes no sense. Makes no sense. Okay, I see where renting furniture can be. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah sometimes. Depends on your circumstance. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Short term. Okay, guys. I think that's three people on a couch <laughs> for <laughs> this time. It literally is three people on a couch. Uh, and, and it's not rented. And one on a chair. It's not rented. It's not rented. It may or may not be from Ikea. I, I believe it's from <laughs> Craigslist. I, I don't know where he got it. Though. Maybe Ashley. There's no telling Ashley what's been done on furniture. this couch. <laughs> For real, I picked like pretzels out of it. I was like, this is better than semen, but <laughs> didn't want pretzels. Just but, dig a little yeah. deeper. Oh, dig He's it like, no, it's come. both. I had a, I had a pretzel. Should we do an, unveil, an unraveling of the Yo, couch episode? We need like, like a UV yeah, light oh, for this thing. Oh, Have oh. you done that? Uh, no. It's scary. Let's do Don't. it in this apartment next oh, I we show. Should. I feel like there's no... Are there any fluids? There's probably like stuff we've spilled on the couch. Uh, well, there's only one way to find out with the UV Soup. Light. Go for next it. Next episode. Soup. <laughs> Soup. <laughs> I feel like when you see that in hotel rooms, it's just disgusting. I watched uh, Gordon Ramsay had a spinoff show 
uh, hotel hell and there was a old lady that ran ran a, a, a b&b in west virginia and they she, they're like there's fecal particles all over the carpet and she's like yeah i had diarrhea this morning <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh my god okay okay guys where can people find you if they want to uh, know more yeah. about your interior projects and that yes. we didn't have time to talk about but I, I am early de, uh, uh, stages of my interior design career. I'm back in uh, school to get my diploma, so I'm excited. But I have started a little Instagram page called at Cure, C-U-R-E, 8, the letter 8, and space, Cure, 8, space, um, is my Instagram handle. And then, um, yeah, so check me out for future projects. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely. The, the, dirty, the Dirty Girls, um, is that also on those platforms? It's on or? YouTube. No, I have so many platforms. It okay. will totally confuse you. Those but are the main ones. I love that we got to talk about like a full scope of all my wild work. But yeah, I'm more focused on interior design now. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. 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 Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank, thank you so you. much, Jane. And thank you for listening and maybe watching, depending on <laughs> <laughs> what you did. Okay. See you next time. This See is ya. Three People on a Couch. Bye. Bye. Bye.